the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. It's okay for us to pour out our raw emotion to God. He can take it. He can handle it. The fact that the psalmist says he feels forgotten does not mean that God has forgotten him, though, by the way. The fact that sometimes you feel like God doesn't love you does not mean that God doesn't, because he does. Our feelings are not reliable. Our feelings are not always trustworthy. But nevertheless, it's how we feel. The psalmist says, I feel forgotten. But his sense of feeling forgotten does not negate God's presence. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. Some of us throughout our lives may have seasons in which we find ourselves feeling angry with God. Pastor Gary teaches us today that if we do happen to feel this way, we should not fear talking to God about it. God wants to be involved in our lives. This means that the good and the bad If you feel as though God has wronged or abandoned you, seek Him out in prayer and through the reading of His Word. Though it may take a while, you will find that He was always there. Know that God cares for you and He can handle your anger. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 42 for part two of today's message titled, Hope for the Downcast. We're going to look at five things in terms of hope for the downcast. The first thing that I want to mention to you, and I just kind of summarize the overall message of Psalm 42 in this first point, and it is this, that he does not surrender to the emotions of discouragement. When you, God bless you. When you, when, you look, when you look at this 42nd Psalm, it is pretty clear throughout it that he has a fighting spirit. He's not going to surrender to the emotion of discouragement. He's going to press on and he's going to persevere and you see it reflected all through it. He determines not to let his discouragement rule his heart or his head. He determines, I might feel like this, I feel pretty low, I feel downcast, I feel discouraged. My tears are my food day and night. I can't stop crying, I feel like God has forgotten me. I'm oppressed by all of this, but I'm going to fight through this. There is this fighting spirit. He does not allow the emotions of discouragement to rule his heart or his head. This is important. 
Notice again in verse 5, he says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? And then he says, Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And the word yet translates also still. He says, you know, this is how I feel. Still, yet, I will praise God. He says it again down in verse 11. He closes the psalm by saying, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I'm still going to praise God. This might be how I feel, but through thick and thin, I'll praise him. I may not be in a good place right now, but I will yet praise him. So I will put my hope in God. Remember the story in Acts chapter 16 of Paul and Silas? They were making their way through the city of Philippi. And the Bible says that they were arrested for preaching the gospel. They were beaten, flogged, and then imprisoned. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, it says, But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying to the Lord and singing hymns to God. Now, they weren't in the best of circumstances. They had been beaten and imprisoned. But yet at the midnight hour, they're still going to press through and fight their discouragement with prayer and worship. They're going to still praise God. And the psalmist understands this. I have to fight through this. I have to fight through this. I cannot allow the discouragement to overtake me and to wallow in this. I must fight through this and persevere through this. And the Bible gives us encouragement about it in James 1.12. It says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Or woman, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And in Galatians 6.9, it says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest of righteousness if we do not give up. So do not give up. Persevere. Do not surrender to the emotions of discouragement. The psalmist fights through it and perseveres through it. Number two, we also see here that one of the things he does is he remembers the good things. He trains his mind to think about those things that are good and pure and lovely and those things that are honorable. And he remembers a few things here. Look at verse 4. One of the things that he remembers, he says, he says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. And notice what he says there in verse 4. He says, I remember when I used to go to the house of the Lord. Now, this is both a positive and a negative thing that he's saying here. Okay, the positive thing is he's saying here, I remember the good times when I went to church. He says, when I went to the house of the Lord with the throng of people, when I would gather with God's people in God's house, oh, what a delight. It did my soul wonder. But then he also, the negative part is he says, I used to go. He says, I remember when I used to do this. So he's recalling and he's reminiscing something that is important that he has forsaken that he needs to get back to. Because he realizes this was a highlight of my week. He says, I remember the joy of my soul. I remember when I went to the house of God with a throng of people. He said, I would even lead the procession up to the house of God. And there is something transformational when God's people get together in God's house and study God's word and worship the king of the universe. There is just something that naturally happens in your soul and in mine to bring us out of despair and discouragement when we are just in the house of God, 
surrounded by God's people in fellowship with one another, worshiping Him and studying His Word together. It does the heart wonder, and it does the heart good. And that's what he's saying here. And listen, I'm the first one that loves technology. I mean, the gospel now is getting all around the world. And our services are broadcast live all around the world. I just mentioned a few places we're watching online. But I just want to say this. If you are local and watching online, you need to get to church. Because there is no substitute like being among God's people in God's house, worshiping God on his holy throne. Friends, isolation breeds desperation. The more isolated you are, the more desperate you become. Fight through that. Don't isolate yourself. Get to church. Get to the house of God. Come together in fellowship and in rejoicing and in worship because it does something transformational in the heart of every person when we come into God's house and spend time worshiping together. Now, I, I get it. I get this. Sometimes when you're at a low point in your life, the last thing you want to do is to be around people. All right? The last thing. Because you're like, I just want to be alone. I just, I just want to be by myself. I don't want to be around a bunch of people. But there is a reason why the Bible urges us to come together. Hebrews 10.25 is one of the most classic examples. It says, let us not forsake the assembling one of another. Let us not give up meeting together, NIV says, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, what day is he talking about? It's capital D. It's talking about the return of the Lord. The day of the Lord is approaching. But guess what? The Bible says that as we get closer to the second coming of Christ, this world will get darker and heavier and uglier. That's why the, the people of God need to come together to encourage one another and to be in the house of God and to fellowship with each other as part of our worship experience and studying God's word together. We need to encourage each other and all the more, Hebrews 10.25 says, as we see the day approaching, because it's going to get harder for Christians, in case you haven't noticed. It's going to get more difficult for us to live out our faith. It's going to become more hostile against us. It already has. The heat is being turned up more and more. If you're beginning to feel isolated and if you're beginning to feel like you're in the minority as a Christian, you're right. Because that's the way the world is trending until we get closer and closer to the return of Christ. All the more reason why we need to come together. Be together in God's house. The psalmist says, I used to go to the house of God. I remember leading the procession up to the house of God with a great throng of people. And he's recalling that because he's trying to focus his mind on the joyful things that are good for him. And he's recognizing, I need to get back to that. God's people, God's house. I remember that. And notice he also remembers in verse 6, not just God's house and God's people, but in verse 6, he remembers God himself. He says in verse 6, My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. He's talking about the Lord. From the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Nazar. He says, Lord... Not only will I remember your people and your house, I need to remember you. You are so faithful and good in the land of Israel from Mount Hermon to Mount Mizar. Now, Mount Hermon is mentioned often in the Bible. Mount Hermon, or Hermon in Hebrew, is the highest point in the land of Israel. In fact, all year long, the highest point of Mount Hermon is snow-capped. So in Israel, you can actually drive about uh, two hours to the beach... 
and from the beach to Mount Hermon is about two hours, and you can go swimming in the beach, and you can go skiing all in the same day. Mount Hermon is, is the highest point in Israel. Mount Mazar, it's the only time in all of the Bible, in all of the Bible, that Mazar is mentioned. Right here. Mazar is the lowest hill in Israel. And what the psalmist is saying is, I remember you, Lord, whether I'm on the heights of Hermon or I'm on the lowest point of Mazar. I remember you in the good times and in the bad, in the heights or in the lows. I remember you. So remember the good things. Focus on those good things. God's house, God's people, and God himself. Number three, and this one might seem a little strange to you, so let me clarify what I mean by this, but... He talks to himself in this psalm. Have you noticed this? He talks to himself. And this is a good thing. I know that might sound a little funny for me to say that, but it is true. His faith reasons with his fears out loud. That's what he's doing here. His faith reasons with his fears out loud. Verse 5, he says, why are you downcast, O my soul? He's talking to his own soul. He's talking to himself. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? And then he counsels himself, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So he talks to himself. He counsels himself out loud. You know, a little self-talk is not a bad thing once in a while. It's not a bad thing. Now, my wife just told me this week, and she's told me on other occasions. She says, you know, you talk to yourself a lot around the house. She says, you talk to yourself all the time. I said, now, 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 listen, this is what I said to her. I said, I, I don't talk to myself. I'm just making verbal observations. <laughs> I'm just talking out loud about things that I observe. For, for example, okay, for example, I might be making a sandwich, and I'll make the sandwich, and then I'll look at it and go, man, that looks like a good sandwich. All right, I'm just, I'm just making an observation out loud. Wow, that is a good sandwich. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Now, what's wrong is when you answer yourself. <laughs> That's when there's a problem. So if I were to make the sandwich and say, man, that's a good sandwich. You want a bite? Yeah, I'd like one. <laughs> that's a problem. I'm not doing that around the house. But what, what the psalmist is doing here is he's talking to himself. And we must learn once in a while to preach the truth out loud to ourselves if necessary. Back in 1965, Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote a book called Spiritual Depression. And in the book, he was actually, as part of writing the book on spiritual depression, he was giving a commentary and breaking down Psalm 42, this psalm that we're looking at today. And when he came to verse 5 here, which talks about how, you know, the psalmist is talking to himself, like, you know, put your hope in God. Why are you downcast, soul? He's talking to himself. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his book, Spiritual Depression, I'll read a short little excerpt that I thought was uh, helpful. He said this, quote, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? He says, take, for example, those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? He writes. He says, yourself is talking to you. Now, he says, this man's treatment in Psalm 42 was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul, he asks. His soul had been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you, end quote. 
And it's an interesting thing to just think about how sometimes we, we spend too much time listening to the nagging things that are reminding us of how bad our life is or was or the world is or was instead of reminding ourselves about the truth of who God is and the strength that we find in him. I think it's the reason why Paul in Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. He's writing to the church in Philippi. And if you look around Philippians 4.13, he says, you, 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 and you this. But then he pauses in the middle and he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. You can call it self-talk. You can call it preaching to yourself. Paul was basically reminding himself of what we need to remind ourselves. That we have our strength in God. And in Christ alone, he gives us the ability to stand even when things are dark and depressing. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. And from time to time, we need to teach each other this and tell each other this and remind ourselves of this. Now, in addition to talking to himself, we can also say here in this 42nd chapter that he talks to God. And I I hope we do more of that than self-talk. But notice in verse 7 that he says, deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. Now, this whole phrase here about deep calling to deep, this is a visual, poetic picture of despair. And perhaps the psalmist is referring to one of the waterfalls in the high hill country of Israel. For those of you who go with me to Israel, one of the places we go is the furthest, the most northern part of Israel. It's up to Tel Dan. And at Tel Dan, there is this uh, beautiful river that runs through the area. And when the snows of Mount Hermon melt in the spring, it causes that river to rush like a torrent. And you can't, if you're standing near where the river is rushing, you can't even hear each other talk to one another. And the current would sweep anybody away down to the Jordan River because it is the headwaters of the Jordan River. And perhaps the psalmist has this in mind when he's talking about the rush of the waves and the waterfalls and the breakers sweeping over me. But the psalmist here is using imagery to say, basically, I feel like I'm drowning, buried deep under my misery. But that in the depth of my despair, God goes deeper still. He's saying, in effect, there's nothing shallow about God. So God is deep, but his depth is high. He says, I'm feeling low under the depth of the crushing weight of my misery, under like the waterfall. I'm deep low. So he's he's saying basically deep cries out to deep. Deep low is crying out to deep high where God is exalted and where God meets me in the depths of my despair. Deep crying out to deep. And by the way, the psalmist, as he prays here to the Lord, deep, crying out to deep, is not afraid to tell God, I feel like you've forgotten me. Again, that's verse 9, where he says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? It's okay for us to pour out our raw emotion to God. He can take it. He can handle it. The fact that the psalmist says he feels forgotten does not mean that God has forgotten him, though, by the way. The fact that sometimes you feel like God doesn't love you does not mean that God doesn't, because he does. Our feelings are not reliable. Our feelings are not always trustworthy. But nevertheless, it's how we feel. The psalmist says, I feel forgotten, 
But his sense of feeling forgotten does not negate God's presence. God is with him. And God is with us. And Hebrews 13.5 reminds us, he will never leave us nor forsake us. He is always with us, even when we feel forgotten. He's there. God is always there. Always with us. Always present. And so he pours out his heart. Why have you forgotten me? But notice, when he pours out his heart and says, why have you forgotten me? He addresses God as what? My rock. Notice that there in verse 9? So even when he feels discouraged and even when he feels like God has forgotten him, he still recognizes God as a rock. God is you. You are the sure, reliable thing still for me, like a rock, even though I feel in the midst of this discouragement. And then finally, number five, he thirsts for God. And we're going to end where the psalm begins. Because the psalmist thirsts for God like a deer pants for the stream. If you look at verses 1 and 2, he writes, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? It's beautiful imagery there where he writes about having such a thirst for God. It's like a deer on a hot summer day panting after a stream of fresh water. Notice what he doesn't thirst for. He says, I don't, I don't thirst for my problems to go away, though that would be nice, of course. I don't thirst, God, for you to deal with my enemies, though there's nothing wrong time to time with us asking God to deal with those who are opposed to us. He doesn't thirst for a quick resolve to all of this. He thirsts for God. And there is nothing quite as healing for your discouragement than getting in the presence of God, than finding the comfort and the help and the peace in the very presence of God. The psalmist says, I thirst for you, God, like a deer pants for streams of water, so I thirst after you. When will be the next time I get to meet with you? Oh, he's, he's crying out for the presence of God because he knows that in God's presence he meets the deepest longings of my soul. That's when my soul will really be quenched. That's when my soul will really be helped. It's when I can come into the presence of the Lord and to be with him. And it is the kind of help that nothing and no one else can provide like the Lord. As wonderful as friends are and people can be, there is no substitute for the presence of God. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. That's what the psalmist is writing here. And I pray that for you who might be going through that discouragement today, that God would be that solid rock for you and he would minister to your heart and he would let you know, as is so true for all of us, there are seasons. And if you find yourself in that season right now, persevere through it. Don't surrender to the emotions of discouragement. Tell yourself and remind yourself about the truth of who God is. 
persevere, pray to him, deep crying out to deep, thirst for the presence of God, more of him, to be the one who will meet those needs and heal every hurting heart. Each psalm we read is intended to point us to one thing, the sovereignty of our Creator. Through pain, tears, joy, and praise, we meet a new characteristic of God with each new chapter. Though we don't know the melodies that accompany this collection of old, we benefit from the deeply passionate and poetic words. We hope your soul has been touched by the teaching you heard today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary Hamrick will return soon with more from this Old Testament book. But in the meantime, you'll be able to find additional messages at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd like to encourage you to download our mobile app while you're there so you can stay connected to God's Word wherever you happen to be. Each day can be made brighter by the love and power of our Lord. And it's so convenient to have it right at your fingertips. If you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, We'd love for you to come be a part of our weekly worship services on Sundays. Cornerstone Chapel meets at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. each week. Or try our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. For directions and more information, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today, but be sure to join us next time for another in-depth look at the Psalms right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Real love is calling Listen, truth opens up your eyes Mercy is waiting for you With every sunrise Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.